God's word is simple, and its understanding brings light and fulfillment of purpose. Sit back and relax as lead pastor of New Reality Christian Center, Pastor G.J. Ojo, brings you God's word with simplicity and clarity. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. You're welcome to church. I believe that we're blessed on Sunday, and um, we ended our series, Teach Us to Pray. I want to believe that you have become a prayer guru ever since we started that series. And today, I, I want to start maybe a short series that I have titled, Great Resolution. Great Resolution. Uh, resolution is that state of being convinced. Is that place where you are walking by conviction, where you are resolute, you are in no doubt concerning a matter, concerning a subject. Now you go to Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. You're welcome online. Let us know where you're watching from and listening from. If you're watching or listening, do where to share the link. Let people join us. It's going to be a massive time um, teaching this series. I was in my city room some couple of weeks ago, and the Lord just dropped this thought in my heart. And I knew, while I was asking the Lord what to teach today, He reminded me of this very thought that I have received from Him. In Philippians chapter 1 and 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that He which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I notice Apostle Paul is saying he is confident. Let's read from other version. He says, I am sure. I am sure. Look at that word. I am sure. That's just something she must be sure about. That's just something she must be confident about. He says, I am sure that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. Let me read the message translation. He said, there has never been any slightest doubt in my mind. In other words, there is no doubt in my mind. There has never been any slightest doubt in my mind. You have to get to that place where you are convinced, where you are not in doubt of some particular things about you and the Lord. Let's read from Amplified. He says, I am convinced and sure of this very thing. You see, I'm, see, after me, some, see after me, there are some things I have to be convinced about. There are some things I have to be confident about. And look at this. It's being confident, back to KJV now, that of this very thing, that he which have begun a good work in you, we perform it, talking about God, until the day of Christ, or the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, my confidence is that God will perfect that which he has begun on the inside of you. And listen to me, why would Apostle Paul have such confidence? It's because he has the understanding of how God works. God never gets involved in any abundant project. God never gets involved in nothing that he cannot finish. Whatever God begins, he is not only willing to complete, but he is able to complete. So Apostle Paul said, you are being confident. I am confident in this. If it is God that began it, there is an assurance that God will begin it, we also complete it. And I am telling you something here this, uh, this very day. If you started this year with God, I am confident that you complete this year with God. Say a powerful amen. amen. Like that amen is not sounding out. Say a powerful amen. amen. I'm saying that if you began with God, there is an assurance. Because it's not just the beginning, it's also the ending. It's not just the one who has the ability to start, it's the one that has the ability to finish. Look at Jesus. He began the work of redemption and he finished it. You know, on the cross he said it is finished. He paid all the price that was due us because when God begins the thing, it is, it is of his nature to complete it. God has never begun a thing that he could not complete. Look at it. He started the creation. He ended on the sixth day. Hallelujah. He ended on the sixth day. Why? Because God will always complete that which he begins. It is in his, it is in his record. It is in his CV. God has a CV that always finishes whatever he begins. You know, and that's why Apostle Paul could say that I am confident of this fact. That it is God that began that thing. Listen to me. I don't know what it is you are doing. I am confident of this fact. 
of this part rather, that if it is God that began these things, finishing is not a problem. Are we together? He's not just the author. He is also the finisher of our faith. Are we together? That means whatever begins with him is completed in him. Glory to God. The Bible says you are complete in Christ. Perfected in Christ. Why? God has never begun. God has never sponsored an unfinished project. So Apostle Paul understanding this said, I am confident. I'm sure of this. I've never been in doubt of this. Listen to me, beloved, as a believer. There are some things you must be confident of. That some things you must be resolute of. Because you see, these things are foundation of your work with God. The moment you are in doubt of these things, I doubt if you are going to have a solid work with God. And I'm going to be teaching on some of these things. And today, we are going to talk about one. Number one, you must be confident that God loves you. <laughs> you must be confident that God loves you. You must be sure. You must be able to say it when you are woken up from the sleep. You must be able to say it in the storm of life. You must be able to say it in the midst of the circumstances of life. That God loves me. In 1 John chapter 4. 1 John, glory, glory, glory to God. 1 John chapter 4. Hallelujah. Verse 16. 1 John and chapter 4. And verse 15. 1st John and verse 16. Look at what it says, KJV. It says, we have known and believed. We have known. That means we have come to a place where we know. And when we know, we believe. It says, we have come, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And in Him, dwell, I mean, and He that dwelleth in Him, Dwelling in love, dwelling in God, and God in Him. In other words, Apostle John is saying, I have come to a place where I am confident of this fact. That I know that I know. We have come to a place where we are confident of this fact. That we know that we know that God loves us. Now, these are not people that don't have challenges in life. And this is it. Many times the enemy wants to suggest to you, because you are facing challenges, that you see, God doesn't love you. Apostle Paul was not one of those that didn't face challenges. In fact, as a matter of fact, all of them, they were called into ministry with Jesus, face challenges. I mean, Apostle Paul was there when Jesus was being crucified, and Jesus said, Son, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. He knew what it means to be part of the church. Apostle um, John, rather, uh, uh, you remember, Apostle John was with Peter when they raised that man at the beautiful gate, you know, up from, um, from being paralyzed. And then the next time they were beaten. You know, they've gone through prison. They've gone through situations. Yes, Apostle John could say that we have known and believed. We have known and believed the love that God has towards you. I want to say something to you. That there is nothing as strong as God's love. As God's love. And there is nothing that should be strong enough to convince you otherwise that God loves you. Listen to me carefully. God loves you. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 31, number 3. It says, He has loved us with an everlasting love. When you are talking about everlasting love, you are talking about something that is timeless. Something that is timeless. Something that is timeless. In other words, his love is not seasonal. He loves always. 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 They have love of ever, with an everlasting love. When you are talking about everlasting love, you are talking about unconditional. In other words, he loves us always unconditionally. There will be not, not a time in life that you look at your time and say, Yes. Yes. God has to love me. God must have loved me. God will have a reason to love me. You know, just because you look at your works and you look at how good you are. There is no time you will ever take the reason, the confidence of the love the Father has for you from the works of your flesh. No, there will be no time. He has loved us with an everlasting love. Why? Because He chose to love us. In Jeremiah chapter, I mean, John chapter 17 and verse 23. John 17 and verse 23. And look at what the Jesus, our Lord, said in John 17 and verse 23. He says, I in them and thou in me. That they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. In other words, Jesus is, even, Jesus is, not, is not even saying. He didn't say that they may know that thou hast loved me, as, um, that thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. He says that the world, that means he expects that you and I should know that God loves us like the Father loves us. 
But he's saying beyond you knowing that the Father loves you, God wants the world to know that he loves you like he loves Jesus. Are you guys talking about? And for the world to know that you yourself must come to that place of being resolute, being confident that you are loved of God. Say, I'm loved of God. I'm the loved of God. Of, the, of God. That's what it means when you say beloved. Beloved means the one that is loved. God said to Jesus, said, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased with. You are the beloved of the Father. I say you are the beloved of the Father. You have been accepted in the beloved. I say you have been accepted in the beloved. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you have been accepted. You are also loved. You are accepted in the family of the beloved. You are now the beloved of the Lord. You are now the one that is loved of God. Say a powerful amen. You are the object of God's love. Amen, somebody. I say you are the object of God's love. Are you the object of God's love? Child, I'm the object of God's love. Say, it doesn't matter what's going on around me now. I know that I am love of the Lord. Now let me show you a scripture quickly to understand this. That it doesn't matter what goes on around you. You are love of God. And you must come to that place of being wrestled. Apostle Paul was there. He knew that he, know, he knew within himself that God loves him. In Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 from verse 35. Romans chapter 8 from verse 35. Quickly. Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. He said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Sharp tribulation. Now many times when we read this, we read it in the context of who shall separate from the love we have for God. No, that's not what he's saying. Who shall separate from the love of Christ? In other words, the love Christ has towards us. The love God has towards us. The love the Father has towards us. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now listen, if your husband has a love towards you, don't let me use your husband. If a friend has a love towards you, alright, there's a probability that another friend can talk him out of that love. Come on now, are you guys talking about if your boss loves you, there's a problem that someone can talk him out of that love. Say something bad about you. So look at what Apostle Paul is saying here. If you are following him, say hi. He says, Who shall separate from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all day long, and we are counted as sheep for slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conqueror through him that loved us. Look at that. We are more than conqueror through him that loved us. Say, I'm more than conqueror. Say it again. I'm more than conqueror. I'm more than conqueror. Say, I'm more than conqueror through him that loved me. So, in other words, the Lord in context there is that God is directing his love towards you. Listen to me carefully. The moment you lose the sight of... By the way, when you say you are more than conqueror, what does it mean? That means you are the one enjoying a victory you didn't fight for. This is what the devil does. The moment you lose sight of God's love and you begin to doubt God's love, you become responsible for all the victories you have in life. That means he puts you in a state where you have to fight your battle yourself. And you have to take the glory yourself. And guess what? You can never win any. So he knows the strategy. Any times he's trying to tell you, hey, God doesn't love you, it's because he knows how to get you out of the zone of victory. To the zone of defeat. It's time to get in the place where you begin to fight for the victory you have. And the moment you begin to fight for it, listen to me. You're on a path to losing. So Paul said, we are more than conqueror. Yes, family may come against us. Yes, pestilence may come against us. Yes, the devil may raise all his noisy head against us. This is not strong enough to separate us from the love of Christ. We know the Father loves us. We are sure he loves us. And it doesn't matter the circumstances around us. We are guaranteed of his love. See, I'm guaranteed of his love. Look at what the next verse says. He says, for I'm persuaded. Are you persuaded? You must get that place where you are persuaded. Where you are convinced. It doesn't matter what people say about you. You must be convinced. It doesn't matter what goes on in your life. You must be convinced. It doesn't matter the situation you are facing. You must be convinced. Say, I am convinced. Say, I am persuaded. Look at what the NLC says. And I am convinced that nothing. Glory to God. I am convinced that the message is I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing, glory to God, nothing, nothing, living or dead, <laughs> nothing, 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 living or dead, glory to God. Let me read that message I said again. He said, I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing, living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow. In other words, no matter what I face today, or no matter what I face tomorrow, I am guaranteed, I am assured of the love of the Father. You must get to that place where you are convinced, persuaded. 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 I am persuaded. Let me read the amplification. It says, I am persuaded beyond doubt. I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor, ta- nor things impending and, and threatening, nor things to come, nor power, 
Glory to God. Then you go to the next God. No eyes, no death, no any other creature. No any other creature. Amen. Coronavirus included. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Coronavirus included. Is a creature, right? Whether living or dead. Is a creature. This is not a question of it's not a living thing. Virus are dead things. Whatever. It's a creature. Alright. It's something created. Whether by men or by whatever it has, it has been created. I am here to tell you that that thing is not strong enough to separate you from the love of God. Which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Glory to God. So don't lose, your, don't lose that confidence. Don't lose that confidence. The devil wants to get you to the place of labor. He says you are more than conqueror. There is a victory God has given to you. And let me show you that victory first of all. If you go back to Romans chapter 8. Just before that verse, let me show you from verse 32. Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. Quickly, let's read it. It says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything against the believer? He shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. In other words, who shall bring condemnation against you? Who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen for his own? Will God? No. He is the one who has given us life standing with himself. In other words, he is the one that gave us life standing. That's NLT now. I am not trying to have it. That's why you are more than conqueror. He gave it to you. Alright, if you are a conqueror, you went to get it yourself. Alright, he says, he is the one that gave us life standing. Alright, he says, who is he that condemns us? It is, the, it is Christ that died. Rather, yeah, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also maketh intercession for us? So when the Bible went on to say, who shall separate us? In other words, he's saying, listen to me. Someone bring an allegation against you. Nothing can separate you. I told you the other time. Someone can go to your boss who loves you and try to say something about you, backbite about you, so that someone will hate you, so that they will not love you, not Christ. He says, who can bring anything against the elect of God? He says, it is God that justifies. Are we together? In other words, listen to me. The person is trying to accuse you, unknown to you. The person to, uh, to, to whom is accusing you to, alright, is your lawyer. Is your advocate. He only speaks on your behalf. That is the assignment. Your advocate does not speak for your opponent, he speaks for your behalf. Even when there are evidences against you. Are you getting what I'm talking about? And say, well, 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 uh, the accuser of the brethren is standing against you. Uh, he's been speaking against you. Listen to me. If there is an accuser, there's an advocate. Are you getting what I'm talking about here? That's why you must not lose focus. The moment you lose focus and it tells you God doesn't love you, you know what you have done? You have, you have fired your advocate to hire yourself as your advocate. The challenge is you have little facts to, pre- to present before the Father. Your facts are not strong enough. So refuse that lie. I know God loves me. I will not, I, I not fire Christ. Glory to God. I will not fire him out of my life. I will let him speak. I will let him keep speaking. He is speaking. He said, little children, do nothing. He says, if you say we have an advocate with the Father, you have an advocate. He's been speaking concerning you. Don't fall for that trap to fire him. No. It's good enough. It's good enough. It's good enough. You know, the devil is a bad, bad devil. He's an accuser. Alright, actually, he doesn't accuse you before God. He accuses God before you. That's what we don't know. He doesn't go to heaven and say, Hey, see, you see sometimes we read Job, 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 so much that we we'll be sent up with Job. No, he comes to you. Are you saying God loves you? If he loves you, why are you going through this? Are you saying the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? If you have, why did you sin yesterday? Are you saying, are you saying, he's not saying that to God, he's saying that to you. He's saying that to you. But thank God for the Holy Ghost. We do not just have an aggregate in heaven. We have an aggregate within us. He says, he says, before I ascend to heaven, I will give you an helper. Anos Paracletos. I will give you an advocate. In other words, as he's speaking accusation in your ears, the Holy Ghost is speaking confirmation in your ears. Are we together right now? That is why you must be confident. The devil is trying to steal your confidence. You must say no. I believe in the Lord. I, be- I know in whom I believe. Glory to God. Apostle Paul said, I know in whom I- Do you know in whom you have believed? Glory to God. I won't fall for that trap. What about you? Are you getting what I'm talking about? He doesn't accuse you before God. He can't. How? He doesn't go there to accuse you. He accuses God before you. So that you doubt the love of God. You doubt the redemption of God. And when you doubt it, Alright, then that accusation comes before God. That means you yourself is the one that brings the accusation. 
You are the one saying, God, God, I don't think I'm righteous with God in Christ Jesus. You are the one. It's not him. It's not him. Listen to me. The battle of trying to declare you right with God has been solved when it comes to the devil. The price has been paid. It's It's between you and the Father now. Are you getting me now? Glory to God. Oh, come on. We need to rejoice on this fact. Have God an advocate. Have God an advocate. Have God an advocate. Hey! 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 I thought you will shout in your room. Hey, glory! Hallelujah! I am confident of the love of God. I say I am confident of the love of God. It's an everlasting love. Timeless love. Unconditional love. So say, Pastor, what if I have meant? He says, who is it that will condemn you? He says, it's Christ that justifies you. Are you what I'm talking about? He didn't say you have not met. He said, when they bring, he said, he will justify you. He will justify you. He will declare you right. Glory to God. He said, well, 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 Pastor, I think I'm suffering from my mistake. Well, you can't suffer better than you have suffered for your mistakes. You can't suffer better than he has suffered for your mistakes. Lift your hands and just thank him for his love. Oh, Malava Shanda Labaya. Shanda. When the devil feels he can inflict you with sickness because of your mistakes, tell him he's a liar. When the devil tells you he can afflict your home because of your past, tell him he's a liar. You have no right to do that. It is God that justifies. So don't, allow, don't buy into it when he's trying to speak words that will make you doubt the love of God. Don't allow it. Don't buy into it. Don't, let me tell you something. No error of your life is, it can, can outdo the love of God. No error of your life. In as much as you put your confidence in the love of God. You put your confidence in the voice of the Holy Ghost. You put your confidence in the word of God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm just, I'm just happy. I'm just joyful. Hey, I'm just joyful. I don't know about you. I say I'm just joyful. Aren't you joyful? Is this not worth celebrating? Is it not worth celebrating? Hey, hallelujah. So stop falling for that lie. Have your seat. Glory to God. Woo. Hey, let me show you quickly. When you doubt the love of God, there is an assignment the devil is trying to achieve. Let me show you quickly. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. Ephesians and chapter 2 and verse 4. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. You will know why this is very powerful. But God, who is rich in mercy, for, he's telling us, the reason for the richness of God's mercy towards us is this. He says, for his great love wherewith he loves us. So in other words, the moment you doubt the love of God, are you what I'm talking about? The moment you doubt the love of God, you are trying to mean, sorry, this is what the devil is trying to do. Let me bring myself, I'm preaching myself to happy. The moment you doubt the love of God, it is you screening yourself from the mercy of God. That, I'm, I'm going to explain this to you. Look at that form. But God, who is rich in mercy, why? For his love wherewith he loved us. That means the love wherewith he loved us is an answer of his mercy. So the moment you begin to doubt the love of God, listen to me, you are object of God's mercy. The moment you begin to doubt the love of God, what you are doing is you are screening your heart. You are building a fence in your heart against the mercy of God. This is what happens. Then every affliction the enemy brings your way will be counted as God's judgment against you. Are you getting me now? So, sickness will be on you and say, you see, you have lived your life anyhow and God has come for you. (laughs) You see? The moment you doubt the love of God, is an opportunity for the devil to inflict you with oppression. And while doing that, if we call it the judgment of God, is a way to blackmail God. Refuse it. That's why I told you, the devil does not accuse him before the Father. He accuses the Father before you. You must refuse it. Be confident of this very thing. You must be confident. When they wake you up at night, you must know it. When you are reading the word, you must know it. When you are jumping up, you must know it. When you are sleeping, you must know it. Whatever it is you are doing, you must be sure of this very fact. Hallelujah. I'm confident. I will not de- allow the enemy to bring judgment and black me God. 
Some people have they've lost their family members to sickness and the devil tells them, Oh God, God give it, God take it. Alright, and I say, Well, try to blackmail God. Why? There is no way you can truly define God when you lack the understanding of love. Because God is love. Nobody truly knows God outside love. Nobody truly knows God. Hear me clearly. Nobody truly knows God outside love. Let me say that one more time. You cannot know God outside love. You can't. You can't. And that's why the enemy has to do all he can. He's making things difficult. And then he's pointing to God. And say, can't you see God doesn't love you? I remember when I came to ministry in Adoikitu. And, uh, oh boy. That was one of the meetings we had. Myself and my wife then were cutting another daughter of ours. And then we, we were in the auditorium. Everything was working. <laughs> I mean, let me tell you the truth. Nothing was working. <laughs> nothing. As in, capital nothing. And we're there. And I remember, and be careful to see people so in your heart. At that stage, it's when pe- people who have told you you are making a mistake of your life. Those words just come. And then how people have told me, hey, huh, man of God, are you sure God led you to a kitty? You know, my parents said, I'm not sure. Everybody said, that, I, I, I mean, so the devil raised those voices. And then he began to come. Oh, I mean, I, I, what did you do to God? I, so people will say, God spoke to me. And to start a message, where? Porter court. God spoke to me, sir. To go into me, where? Canada. God spoke to me. To go into me, where? Abuja. God spoke to me. To go to Lagos, Abuja. Wait till you do God. Why you can't do it like this? Post you so to Adwekisi. And then, and then, I was being overwhelmed. I was being overwhelmed. And emotionally. Then we had to ask you what missing. And actually, listen. That day, they thought I was preaching to them, but I was actually preaching to myself. <laughs> they thought the message at the field missing was for them, but I was preaching to myself. I began to preach to myself. I began to say, they were hearing me. They thought I was preaching to them, but I was saying to myself, hey, God loves you, man. <laughs> I mean, and what we rejoiced. Oh, we were drunk in the spirit. By the time we were done, the fear was gone. You know what, that, what I did? I reaffirmed the love of God to my heart. There are times you need to reaffirm. You know, I'm going to get there. I don't want to preach ahead of myself. Remember, I'm talking about the fact that you see, the devil will always speak things around you to explain the love of God to you. You must never allow it. You must never allow it. Are you following what I'm talking about? The moment you begin to doubt God's love, emptiness and dryness set in. Emptiness and dryness set in. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, from verse 16, I hope somebody is getting blessed. Oh, your life is about to experience something new. Somebody needs to say amen to that. Amen. amen. There is a revival of the conscience of the love of God. Listen to me. As the day goes by, the enemy will keep trying to attack that conviction of God's love in your heart. And you must learn how to say a capital what? No. 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 I said no. I said no. I said no, no, no. Shout it. No, no, no. Stamp your leg on fire. Say no, 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 no. Glory to God. Amen. Verse 16. That He will grant you according. Ephesians 3 and verse 16. I won't go to read, I'm going to read from KJV first and I'm going to go ahead and read from the Passion Translation. You would love to read it from that version. Awesome. Awesome truth. And I want you to pay attention if you don't have your Bible. Or you should have your Bible anyway. But pay attention. When I start reading from the Passion Translation, you, you like to hear that. It says, That He will grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, that ye be, some say, rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded. One more time. Rooted and grounded. Now, those words are, are common. The word rooted there is an agricultural word. Grounded there can be a, 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 an architectural word. Alright? Rooted. When something is rooted in a place, that means it's connected to life. The moment you approve a plant, what happens? In a, in, in a process of time, it begins to dry up. The moment, you know, the foundation of a house is being shaken, what happens? It collapses. Are we together right now? So, rooted and grounded in love. It says, verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all the same what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passed knowledge 
that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, let me take you to the partial translation. So, you will love it here. Are you ready for it? Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And verse 16. Are you ready now? Woo! You can have rejoice when you get to a point where you can't take this, this money. It is too big. Amen? It is, and I pray that He will unveil within you the unlimited riches of His glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being. Are we together? With His divine might and explosive power. Now, pay attention to verse 17. Then, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of His love will become the source and the root of your life. In other words, the moment you say, I know He loves me, you are in contact with the very source of life. This is what He's saying. Let me read it again. He says, by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. Listen, any time love all right, is denied, death will set in. It's a matter of time. Alright, he says, because listen to me, this life was love motivated. It came to us on the platform of love in the first place. So look at it. He said, then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be re- released deeply inside you and resting, and the resting place of his love, are you getting me? The resting place of his love will become the very source and the root of your life. The moment you doubt God's love, I tell you, from God's person, nothing can work for you in life. Nothing. Because that is you cutting away from the source of your life. The source of life, the source and root of life. Now let me continue with him. Verse 18. Then you will be empowered to discover every holy experiences. The great magnitude. Come on, now. there are experiences in the love of God. And you can talk about it. He says you'll be empowered to what? Discover what what very what every only any only one experiences rather. He says the great magnitude of the astonished love of Christ in all its dimension. You see? How deeply intimate and far reaching is, is his love. How enduring and in, in, inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measure measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to the overflowing with the fullness of God. This is what the devil is trying to take away from you when he's telling you you are not love of God. There is a pouring that is taking place. You know, you know when you are pouring water inside a bottle, you need to be to align that bottle to the cup. Let's say you are pouring water through the cup for that water not to be wasted. You see, that means the alignment of the, of the bottle to the cup it's more important than the pouring itself. Because the water can leave the cup and never get to the bottle. He's saying to us, there's an outpouring that is taking place. But there's a need for your alignment for you to experience that outpouring. Are you getting me? Everything becomes dry and empty. Without the love of God. Everything becomes dry and empty without the love of God. Don't doubt. You can doubt your name. Don't doubt God's love. In spiritual reality, doubt your name but not the love of God. Because in the first place, the, parents, the name that they give you as, as, by your parents might be the wrong name for you. They are permitted to doubt your name. So far you are not writing an exam. But don't doubt the love of God. And perpetually, you mistakenly doubt your name and forgot your name writing an exam. You still have one thing left. The love of God. Don't doubt that one. It can still pay you out. Are you guys talking about? It can still pay you out. What is the proof of the love of God? First John 3.16. What's the proof? And this is the challenge. This is the challenge. First John. The challenge is we look for the love of God in the wrong place. 1 John 3.16 Now you have to understand the love of God is not partial. The love of God is not person specific. It's generic. 
is general. It's to every one of us. First John 3.16, are you there? Look at it. Hereby perceive with the love of God. Are we together? Because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Look at the message translation. This is how we have come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. That we, that, that is why we ought to live sacrificially for fellow believers and not just be, be out for ourselves alone. Are you following me? So when you look at it, how is it that they perceive the love of God? Come and talk to me. How is it that they perceive the love of God? The sacrifice that Jesus offered for us. Let me give you a story background. John chapter 11 and verse 1. John 11 and verse 1. And some of us may probably have this challenge at one time or the other. And the devil will come and tell you this. And because we have a misunderstanding of the love of God. In John 11 verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany. He says, The town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with a year whose brother Lazarus was sick. So they were like, <coughs> Look, it's not, it's not any kind of Mary. This Mary is a sacrificial Mary. The one who has done a lot. I mean, one day Mary, Mary cried on the feet of Jesus. Wept. Used her ear to clean the feet of Jesus. That's the kind of Mary we are talking about here. I mean, you understand. And look at verse 3. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Think about it. We don't know what you are doing there. The person you love is sick. How many of you have had family members call you when one of their fa- your family members is sick? And the way they talk to you as if you are the sickness that is affecting them. You are wicked. Your father is sick here. Your mother is sick here. You are just wicked. You are wicked. I mean, they said, now a certain man, I mean, Lazarus, nice guy, very nice, lovely guy, and they send the message. Jesus, in case you don't know, Sometimes you notice, sometimes you don't notice. You don't even know what's wrong with you. God, can you see anything at all? Can you see my life? Can't you see that I'm sick? Now, let me show you verse 34. Yes, yes. Look at verse 34. No, let's have verse 33. Verse 33. Look at what it says. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping with him, Unto her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. How did they know he loved him? Please weep it. That is how many believers want to perceive the love of God. They really don't want to enjoy the love of God. All they want is the sympathy of God. And there is a difference between the sympathy of God and the love of God. Actually, God does not sympathize. Because sympathizers don't really change anything. How many of you know that? When somebody dies, they say, ah, they come, they cry, <laughs> they cry. When it's like they cry for seven hours, they'll be doing, so, ah, we have been here for money, this is money. I don't know, Akarao, Pap. They are sympathizers. How many remember the story of Jairus? Jairus' daughter. They were crying before Jairus said, ah, daddy, daddy, oh. <laughs> Let's, let's call the name of the girl, Damsel. Damsel, don't say, oh, and you spend money, you spend money. Oh. They cry. Some people are running on the floor, eating themselves, bad both. Then Jesus came and said, ah, you guys, don't worry, stop crying. The, 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 guy, the, the guy you are crying for is not dead. And immediately, they shifted from crying and weeping to laughing. Huh? That is what you like. Sympathizers. Jesus rather loved that man than sympathizing with him. But the people saw sympathy as love. God doesn't see sympathy as love. 
When you continue to read, and I, I would like to read to you, to show you how Jesus was expounded to it. Listen, Jesus would have also have been there from the day he, 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 he fell sick, and be baptizing with him, hey, Lazarus, hey, hey, yeah, hey, yeah, and be passing his back until he died, and they, they will sympathize him to his grave, and they will carry him to be buried, and they will, they will do 40 days sympathization, or sympathizer, uh, remembering, or remembrance, and, they, and nothing will change. But what did Jesus do? What verse are we reading now? Okay? Are you with me? Look at verse 42. No, verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast helped me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, because of the, of the people we, which I stand, which stand by, rather, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. In other words, listen to me clearly. The man said, thank you, you have had me. For the four days they were sympathizing, he was with him praying. Alright? They were sympathizing, crying, just was with him praying. Oh, grieving in the spirit. Groaning in the spirit. Oh, Lazarus. So, by the time he came, he said, that they may know that you sent me. Listen, that I have heard from you that this man was supposed to die. Alright? I am here to raise him back. The resurrection of the life has come. Now, they, want, they wanted the same party of Jesus. Oh, you see how he's crying. He has joined us crying. And this is what many of us want. Sympathy. Not the real love of God. Why? Just because they didn't see what Jesus did in love, they said he didn't really love him. In fact, if you continue with him, he said, if you truly love him, you should have not allowed him to die now. That's what he said. Listen to me clearly. Listen to me clearly. The love of God must never be doubted. Because the oppression of that love, even against the situation you are going through, does not begin with what you can see. None of them were there when Jesus was busy praying for Lazarus. But what they could see was that he shed tears. Rather, they should have seen what he had done for four days. We don't know how many times he was growing in the spirit, rebuking the spirit of death. Taking authority over the spirit that was trying to kill him. No. You know. But they want to see tears. They want to see tears. Some of you like to see tears. But not real love. The proof of God's love is not the same party you expect. The proof of, the, of God's love is first operated in the realm of the invisible. So while you are believing God for money, and today you are hungry, God is working upon the hearts of people. God is working upon your mind too, to solve that need and bring inspiration on what to do for finances. But what thing party do you want? Something like heaven should just open, the all-powerful one. That is just, just released from the atmosphere like that. Bam! Meanwhile, the love of God is already operating. Bringing information that can prosper you along your way. Bringing connection that can prosper you along your way. Bringing passion, skill, and whatever that can prosper you. But you are not seeing that. And that is why the proof of the love of God is not your circumstance. Because as long as you look at your circumstance, what you'll be looking for is sympathy. The proof of God's love for you is seen in the works that Jesus did. If you are following, say a pathway, amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24. Ephesians chapter 5. And verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let the, the wives be to their own husband also in everything. It says, Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for, for it. So, we see the love was demonstrated, demonstrated through the love. Through the death of Jesus. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Verse. verse. Wow. I love this one. Should we read it? Like I would love us to read it. I want to read the particular verse. I want us to all study it together. Romans chapter 5. Okay, let's have verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith, into this grace where we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, look at it. They rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, right? In the hope, expectation of the glory of God, right? Are you following? I want to say, pay attention. Now, look at verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation. You know, we rejoice in tribulation. When things are not fine, we rejoice. 
I mean, you are not. You know, when, when the Bible says in everything, give thanks. The Bible didn't say to give thanks for everything. It said give thanks in everything. Alright. The Bible did not say, Father, I thank you because I'm sick. I thank you because I'm hungry. No. He says, while you are hungry, give thanks. So he's saying, and we follow what I'm talking about. Alright? Because thanksgiving is an equalizer. What it does is, it brings about a meeting point with the good season and bad season. And how does good season and bad season mean the same thing to you? When you begin to thank God, alright, because of who He is and what He can do in your life, alright, it changes bad season to good. Are we, are we together? So it becomes an equalizer. You are getting me to say hi. Alright, now, not so only, but not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, constancy. Constancy. Are we together? It's an patient experience and experience hope. Hope. Expectation, in other words. Hope. You are full of expectation. Now he says, and hope maketh not ashamed. Your expectation will not be cut short, in other words. Hope maketh not ashamed. How? Because the love of God is said abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. In other words, listen to me. He says, listen. You can be sure that your expectation will come short, will come through. You can be expect, sure that your expectation will not be cut short. Why won't your expectation be cut short? He says clearly here, he says the love of God has been poured abroad in your heart. Uh, before those days, when I used to read that scripture, what it meant to us was that the love of God has been poured abroad in our heart. So, the, the ability to love the people has been poured abroad in our heart. Uh, yeah, that's good, but that's not what it says. Because I'm going to show you now. The love of God has poured upon your heart means that the love of God, the one He has for you, is shed upon your heart. Your heart is overwhelmed by that love. And when you see that, you see, you see in the next verse now, you look at it, it says, For when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for what? The ungodly. And look at verse 8, quickly. It says, But God commended His love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, the love of God has shed abroad in our heart. There is talking about the love that God has shown to us. When did He show that love to us? When Christ died for us. Glory to God. And let me say this to you. How do you get to that place where you get so persuaded about the love of God? Listen to me clearly. Write this down. It's very powerful. It's a truth you must never forget. Without the Holy Spirit, no one can build conviction. You cannot build conviction about anything of anything without the Holy Spirit. You can only build conviction by the Holy Spirit. You can only be persuaded on a subject matter by the operation of the Spirit. So, you go back to chapter 5 and verse 5, the same verse, chapter rather, the same chapter, look at verse 5. It says, Oh, make it not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hand. How? By the Holy Ghost. Who is the one that shed the love in your heart? The Holy Ghost. How does it do that? Now, we know the proof of the love. It begins to expand on that love. For example, you know, sometimes when a woman wants to get emotional, a man is in a relationship, and that, say, this man doesn't love me. Now, that this man doesn't love me is very situational. In other words, why, is this, why doesn't he love you? Maybe you cook that money, he didn't eat the food. So, he doesn't love you. This will help some married people now. <clears throat> it doesn't, and we help you when you get married. He doesn't love me. He doesn't love me. I mean, how could I cook and he would not eat my food? He doesn't love me. Alright, now, let's look at that in the light of Christ. Because you are the bride of Christ. Amen? So, God doesn't love me. And if He loves me, eh, I will have passed my jam. He doesn't love me. Now, this is how the love of God is shed upon your heart. The Holy Ghost comes to your heart and says, ah, ah, on jam, when there are greater issues that He has come, involved, come through for you, haven't you forgotten? He died for you. He's dead too. He begins to analyze. Not just any kind of death. The death of the cross. The only begotten son. All your sins. You don't have to pay for your sins anymore. Now there is no end in view. What happens now? Let me bring it between husband and wife now. So, they say, ah, ah, ah. Yesterday, yesterday, he still took you out and brought so here for you now. Yesterday, you see, but, you know, and then, you know, it brings about the memory of the goodness of God as shown through the death of Jesus. Are you getting what I'm talking about here? So why you are just about doubting? The Holy Ghost precipitated that thought. Precipitated that thought. Oh, look at what Paul says. He says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He says, the life I live, and I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He's the Holy Ghost that brings that thought. Listen to me carefully. 
there will be nothing as powerful in the love of God towards you that will be like the redemption you have received. There will be nothing. The greatest achievement of God's love towards you has already been done. The greatest, not see what I said, the greatest achievement of God's love towards you has already been achieved. All your things are minor. So every time the devil wants to attack it, and attack your heart, alright, the Holy Ghost comes. That's why we keep praying for life. He shows us, he shows you how he died, why he died, when he died. At the age of 13, he died. Without hope of, of coming back, he died. Are we together? Without waiting for you to receive what he has to offer, he died. While you are without strength, while you are ungodly, Christ died for you. That's what you go does. He begins to persuade that in your heart. And say, wow. And as you lift your hands, thanking him. Alright? Appreciating him. What happens to you? You take root downward. You are grounded. Alright? Like the passion translation says, now you are now connected to the very life. You are now drinking. There is a pouring out of the life of God flowing onto you. Never let anybody let you feel that you are not love of God. And then never let the devil accuse God in your ears, telling you that God doesn't love you. Don't take that lie. Not so. Charles is not so. Now lift your hands and thank you for his love. I mean, genuinely from your heart. I mean, you can think, can think back. You can, I mean, you can, can have, I mean, if you have remembrance. All right. How many of you have remembrance? Hallelujah. Of God's goodness. Oh, lift your hands and bless. Sing to him. Sing to him. Sing to him. Oh, Can we just build some awareness? Can we strengthen our consciousness in the love of God? Oh 
and on Facebook at New Reality Christian Center at Doe Stay in the finished works of Christ.